Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing today? Looks like we're, some people are on vacation already. Are they at the camp already? Tell them they're a week early. Feels good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited about uh, what God's doing. Uh, we're, um, we're ready to, um, we had our first um, planning night for the community fest. We're going to have a community fest on September 15th. It'll be Saturday from 11 to 3. It'll be four hours. We're going to have a lot of stuff. We're trying to get as 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 crazy as we can get still be christians now come on but we're gonna we're talking about live music we want to get um i've already got some people lined up we're gonna have uh rock and roll christian we're gonna have some hip-hop christian we're trying to get some latino christian and uh we got i actually got a guy that uh, travels around the world who does skateboarding he's gonna do some demonstration for us we're gonna have a skater and he doesn't do the high peaks or nothing, but what he does is you get a four-by-eight board, he'll do things that are amazing. You'll be like, what? Did he just do that? Yes, he did. And then he has a powerful testimony as he goes. Our goal is we want to we feed over 1,000 hot dogs to our neighborhood because it's about these people out there. It's not just about us. we got to be a part to bring them, to help them, but we're reaching out into the community. Not only do we want to do that, but we're talking about possibly um, – having um, three barbers here so they can get free haircuts. We're going to talk about getting sneakers for people, um, you know, face painting, prayer tent, anything we could do to make it lively. I'm, uh, we're also thinking about possibly having a hot rod. Cars lined up out here on uh, 45th where people can come and look at them, bouncers, everything we can think of. So does that sound like fun? Does it sound like a lot of work? Yep, a lot of work. But... It's exciting because we want to reach the people that are outside our walls. We're so thankful for everybody here. We want to build each other up. We want to work the things of God. But ultimately, we want to reach this community. Is that okay? Amen, amen. And we thank the Lord for what he's already doing, but we're excited about what he's doing. Um, you see that? It says, working together, building the kingdom. We are the church. We are the body of Christ, and we're doing that. I have a scripture today from, uh, uh, you could hold on that scripture. I'm going to give you a little, little um, background on Judges first. It's a scripture from Judges, and it's like, it's something that most people would never even preach about. And I'm like, Lord, you want me to talk about this? Because it was a time where Israel, the Israelites, were going through some very difficult times. You know, Joshua was a great book because of the book of victory. How many like the book of Joshua? Victory, man. But you know what? Every time you read it, you know, you, the thing is, God promised all the land. But guess what? They had to fight for every inch that they got. Minus climbing around the walls, you know, marching around the walls. They didn't have to do any fighting, but it was still a lot of work because they got all the, the um, you know, doing the things that they needed to do. But, but at the same time, it was a lot of work, and it was a victorious book. But the books next to it is Judges, and some believe that it's probably Samuel, uh, more than likely, that wrote it. But it had some highs in it, especially in the beginning. It had, you know, about Gideon and about Samson and Deborah and just wonderful things that happened. But at the same time, they kept on falling out. 
They kept on messing up. But you know what? One thing about that, though, if you see it through Judges, throughout the book of Judges, whenever Israel messed up and the enemy started to overcome, guess what did they do? They cried out to God. And guess what? Even in their mess, God came and helped them and protect them. But this is a story at the end of the book. It, it's The book starts good, but at the end of the book in chapter 19, there's a, a devastating act in crime that happened to a concubine, a wife of the Levite, what was horrible. It was just absolutely horrible. And I was like, Lord, you want me to talk to the, uh, Salem first about that? Yes, we do want to talk about it because it's just um, sort of like a type about us reaching people while they're reaching towards us. So, Father, I just praise you, Lord. I thank you for your word, God, and I just pray that you'll just help me today, Lord, to speak this truth. Help us to open up our hearts, Father. We're so grateful for what you're going to do in our church, but, Lord, let us never forget about the true severity of the world out there, the things that happen, the things that are, are going on even now today where people need Christ. They need Jesus, and we are the church, and we want to welcome them in, and we want to bring them to you. So, Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the first verse. Judges. Now, this is a story where these, these pe the priest and the people were in their house, and before they even started, it says, why, in verse 22, it says, why they were in, why they were enjoying themselves in the house there was plotting going around in the neighborhood to harm and to hurt their guests and it became a very crazy situation it's almost like why would god even record something like this because it was so vile it was evil and if you want to read it i'm not going to go into all the details of the evil but i'm going to go into the details was this that they why they were enjoying themselves People of Baalia, or people are, that they call children of the devil, people that were uh, despicable and deprived people were coming to do harm to the guests, and they ended up um, doing harm to this concubine and this, this wife of the Levi. And it says that um, in that verse, it says at daybreak, they harmed her all night. They abused her all night. And at daybreak, she returned to the house where her husband was staying, and she collapsed at the door of the house. She laid outside the door of the house. She was trying to get in where it was safe, where she could feel comfort, where she could know that she could have hope. She tried as hard as she could, but when she got to the door, she collapsed. And it says, it says that, um, she laid there um, at the uh, there until the the light, until it was light. And when her husband opened the door to leave, there laid his concubine with her hand on the threshold of the door. She died reaching out for help on the threshold. I believe that God has people that are reaching out right now, that are trying to find the answer for life, that are trying to find 
Where, where is hope? Where is joy? Where is purpose? Where is destiny? What am I alive for? And they're reaching to the church. And you say, Pastor, I don't see a bunch of people. You know what? Every time somebody gets abused, every time somebody thinks of suicide, every time somebody overdose on drugs, every time somebody's hurting and crying, they're reaching out, but they don't know that they're actually at the door of the church. They are reaching out for help. And guess who has the answer? We do. We have the answer. It's a sad thing if people reach out and all we're doing is we're inside the church, and I'm not saying that's all we do because Man, Salem First, we, we, we work, we give, we're reaching out, we're doing things, and we're actually building a layer of ways so we can, you know, that's why we're hiring uh, new staff, that's why we're uh, working on our ministries, that's why we're working on our volunteer stuff. We are doing it because we don't want people to come to the threshold of our door and find the door shut, do we? Mm-mm. But we're, we're, we, we're placing ourselves we're positioning ourselves so that we can help people so that they do not have to die with their hand out at the floor of the church. That we could reach them before that. Because guess what? There's an evil world out there. The enemy still wants to kill, still wants to steal, and still wants to destroy our lives. But we have the answer. We have Christ. We have prayer. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Bible. We have, we have hope that comes only through Christ. Help us to not be inside. It said they, they were, why they were enjoying their self, a crowd of troublemakers of the town surrounded the place. We're not just here to enjoy ourselves. How many enjoy church? I do. I love it. I love church. You don't have to say, man, you need to go to church. I love going to church. I love being around the people of God. I love praying. I love doing things. It's all right to enjoy this. But we cannot forget in our mind, in our heart, those people that are out there that need hope. Hallelujah. That's true, true, true. And when they were done with this this crime, actually this, this devastating abuse, of this lady, it also it caused a, a civil war among the Israelites and the and Benjamin, where it became a, a horrible place, and it's just a tragic ending of this book of Judges. But after they seen what happened, and then they did some acts that, you know, I'm not even going to talk about it, but there were some things to show their remorse and to show their disgust and to show their fury. But it said at the end of that chapter, everyone saw it and said, such a horrible crime has been committed in all, all, all the time since Israel left Egypt. Haven't seen nothing like it. Think about it. What are we going to do? Who's going to speak up? There's people out there dying today. If people, you know, here's the fact. If somebody dies without Christ, they die and they meet eternal punishment. Brother Andrew, you're preaching hellfire today. Well, I'm not just, I'm just preaching what Jesus Christ said. Do you know that Jesus spoke more about eternity and hell than anybody in the Bible? Amen. Not because he was condemning people, because we're not condemning nobody. 
We actually want to reach that hand before it dies and lays down on the ground and spends eternity. We're, we're just talking about it so we can understand that there's a severity and there's an urgency to do the things of God. We can't just sit around and just enjoy what we're doing and, and just be blessed and just say, well, those guys will get ministered somehow. We have to do our own part. We have to be diligent. We have to be willing to work, willing to give of ourselves, willing to pay a price to win people to Christ. Hallelujah. We need to do that. Let's go to the next slide. Matthew chapter 9. Now Jesus, before this verse right here where Jesus uh, sees the crowd, it's before the verse Jesus was about, he was traveling to every single town, every single village. He was working. He was, he was on OT, bro. He was working. Because he knew that there, I must do the work of him that sent me Why it's light. For the night cometh when nobody can work. He had an urgency in his heart. So he's traveling to village to village, going to synagogues, to churches. He's working everything. He's healing every kind of disease. He's going all over the place. He's doing the best that Jesus would do in the physical body that he was in. And there was times where he was worn out, hungry, and tired from the endless work about caring for souls and people. And so when he, after he did all this, he said when he saw the crowd... He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, first of all, you know, sheep without a shepherd, they're defenseless. I'm not a farmer or anything. Anybody got any sheep at their farm or whatever? Because I know some of y'all have farms and places and anybody ever uh, raised sheep in here? I just know that if they don't have a shepherd and they don't have somebody guiding them, they're in danger. They're in danger of wolves. They're in danger of going off the trail and getting lost. Without a shepherd, they are in danger. Sheep. Simple. Jesus didn't. And the Bible says when he had compassion, the new King James said he was moved with compassion. We can't just say, oh, I feel sorry for him, bless you, be warm and be good and put a coat on you and I hope somebody blesses you with some money so you can get a cup of coffee. But he was moved with compassion, the Bible says, and he looked at the sheep without a shepherd and he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. Everybody in here say the harvest is great. Say it again. The harvest is great. There's never a problem with people, souls, in the harvest of God. It's always great. It always will be, and it'll always be till Jesus comes back. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So what does Jesus tell them to do? The first thing to tell them to do. Man, you know, some of you say, but I, I, I'm not capable. I, I, I'm old. I can't go out there, Brother Andrew, with you. We, our staff already did some prayer walks for this. We've been praying for this, this, uh, this um, community fest for five months already. Every morning, three times a week, we've been praying for this community fest. Now we're 
we're, we're arming ourselves, we're stepping it up a level. But we've already, our staff has walked down the streets to Temecata and praying, looking at houses, saying, God, you have sheep in that house. You have people that are in need, that are reaching out to the church and don't know where to go. Help us to win these people. The first thing Jesus says, pray. You say, I might not be able to be physical. Like some of us, you know, just can't lift stuff and move stuff and do things like we used to. I know that um, I'm getting more limited in my young age. I'll, I'll be 64 this year, but, you know, hey, I'm young, but hey, but I, I can't do what I used to do when I was 30 and 20. But one thing I can do is pray. God wants, he said, the first thing, when you see this harvest, when you see the need, when you see people without a shepherd, scattered abroad, defenseless, in hope, reaching out, pray. Does that mean everybody should come to prayer meeting? I wish they would. It'd be tight, man. We'd be like, get the chairs out. We're all praying. I would love that. But we can pray in our vehicle. We can pray at home. We can pray in our closets. We can pray. Number one thing we need to do is pray. Hallelujah. You say, Andrew, you talk a lot about prayer. I do. You know why? Because without prayer, he ain't going to be there. We need God. There's people dying around us, meeting eternity. And we could sit there and, and eat our snow comb or you know, me, I just got some marionberry. I'm ready to get some marionberry pie. I could eat that and not think about souls. When is the last time? You wept for the lost, where tears come out of your eyes and pray. Jesus would weep over cities. He would move with compassion and pray. The first thing we do is pray. We pray to the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is great, but the workers are fruit. So Jesus says, first thing he says, so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. You know that that harvest, God wants them way worse than we do because if he did, we'd all be seeking God and crying out for him every moment that we could. But that's God's harvest. God didn't create this heaven and this earth so he could just see everybody destroyed. He, create, he created this heaven and earth so they could have a purpose and a destiny. He put Jesus on the cross and died and rose again so that he could work out those people in the harvest. There's a harvest out there. It's his harvest. You know, if it's his harvest, he's going to give us his ability. He's going to give us his resources. He's going to give us his wisdom to be able to reach the harvest. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to reach the harvest. Send forth workers into his fields. And um, if you look at it, it says his fields. On the New King James, that his, if you look at the second to the last word on that verse, Look, I got a little thing right here. See what we could do right here. See if it works this time. Okay, let me see. Where are we at? There we go. You see this? In the New King James, that's a capital H. Ask him to send forth workers into, this is a capital H, excuse me, his harvest. Because it's God's own. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the people. He said, all souls are mine, saith the Lord. He cares about every soul. He's not willing for any to perish, but all come to repentance. That's his desire. That's his heart. Hallelujah. 
And so, it's his field. So what do we do? Let's go to the next verse. James. This is a great scripture. I, I, I don't hear people quoting this scripture. It's not their favorite scripture, but it's a good scripture. Dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away like a sheep would do, just wonder. They ain't even thinking. They're just eating, moving their head, and then without a shepherd, they're lost in a valley. They're totally, cannot be unretrievable almost. But if anyone among you wander away from truth and is brought back, you could be assured that whosoever brings this sinner back from wandering will save a person from death. Hallelujah. We want to bring them back and save a soul from death. You know, the wages of sin is death. Who knows that scripture? Come on. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All have sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not, not even one. Not even us. We're sitting in here. You might, you might feel righteous, but the only righteousness you have is you have the righteousness of Christ. But we all need a Savior. We all need Jesus. We all need Christ. And he said, you will save a person from death, hallelujah, and bring about forgiveness of many sins. That's why we're doing that. Let's go to the next verse. Hallelujah. This is the, it's the same verse, but in the message. I like this. I like it a lot. My dear friends, if you know people have wandered from God's truth, don't write them off. Do we think we're better than anybody? You're like, if there's a prostitute on the street, I would never be that way. Let me tell you something. People killing people, people doing things, the depravity of this book and judges, you would think from all the years and all the technology that we have, that we'd be so advanced, we'd be so righteous and so holy that we wouldn't need police officers no more. You'd lose your job. But technology doesn't change the, the depravity of man. All our knowledge, all our wisdom still keeps us ruined without Christ. Even Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Let the grace of God leave your, leave your life for five minutes and you'll see how much you would do. I said, Brother Andrew, I'll never do it. I pray that God doesn't test you. Because I know without the grace of God, I know where I'd be. I would not be alive today, or I'd be in prison. But it's only the grace and the mercy of God that changed my life. I'm nothing without Him. I need Jesus. I need Him every day. I'm only one inch from sinning. I'm only five seconds from doing wrong. But God's grace keeps me. I'm no better than anybody. But you're the pastor. I don't care what title you give me. I need Jesus. We need Jesus. And for us not to look at those people wondering. Those people reaching out at the threshold of our door. Saying, I need God. 
why we enjoy ourselves in our own personal community, why we're in our little teeny niches. God help us. God help us. Hallelujah. He said, he said, don't write them off. But what? Go after them. Go after them. Go after them. Well, how do you do that? If that means give a thousand hot dogs out, I'll, I'll do that. If that means get a skater that's internationally unknown, I'll do that. If that means give out free haircuts or free sneakers and, and just bless the community with supplies to help them in their life, we'll do that. Why? Because we're going after them. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about filling the seats. I'm talking about precious souls that Christ died for, that wept over, that was moved for compassion for them. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. He said, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. And you'll rescue precious lives from destruction and prevent an epidemic of wandering away from God. Let me tell you something. The wandering away is in epidemic proportion. Out in the world, within the church. I talked about it recently about how some of these churches in Portland, they're now McMinimus. Because Northwest is supposed to be the most unchurched area in our country. But there's still precious lives out there. And if we stay focused on God's harvest and his business, we won't have to ever turn this into a McMinimus or some other place. Because God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. We're in epidemic portions of wandering away from God. And the Bible talks about it. It said in the last days, they'll say peace, peace, and there'll be people that will be a great falling away. The Bible says judgment must first begin in the house of the Lord. Did it say that? So where would the sinner be? God help us to open our eyes, to look upon the fields, for they are ripe already to harvest. Hallelujah. There's people ripe out there. They're reaching toward the church. Uh, I might have said this story before, but I'll say it again. When I was a kid, I used to do um, strawberry picking. You ever get on the bus really early in the morning, go strawberry picking? Anybody ever done that? And the thing was, is George says, I ain't never 